Welcome to the creek. I'm Pastor Matt. Um, our hope, our prayer uh, in that our time today is that you have a collision and that God can just change uh, your thinking or, or just re uh, show himself to you himself, show you himself in a new way. And so our prayer is that our staff, our team has been praying for these services for a long time. And uh, our prayer is that Jesus is made clear and that you are loved. That's our goal is to make Jesus clear and love you. We're here because we love you. Um, and welcome to the Creek family this morning. I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first time, like Ryan said, if you'll fill out one of those guest cards, we don't do anything weird with that. We don't stalk you. We don't sell that information. Um, no, we don't sell that information. We just want to get a dialogue going because we know how important it is to be connected to a church family. And uh, let me say something to our church family. Thank you so much yesterday for an amazing spring spectacular. I am just humbled by your heart to serve and love people. So thank you for that. Um, I applaud you. You don't have to applaud, but I applaud you. So um, thank you. Probably the greatest comment that I heard of, uh, from the spring spectacular yesterday was, and I don't know who said it, so if you know who said it, um, come clean, because I want to give credit where credit's due. But I was walking by, and I heard someone say, you're doing this for free. And they go, yeah. And they go, why? And it was a person in a black T-shirt that said the creek on it, so you know who you are. But they said, because we love you. And that's the heart, and I love that, is because we love you. We're here because we love you. Um, we did that yesterday for our community because we love our community. And so thank you for, for making that a reality and making that happen. And uh, I just thank all of our volunteers and our Creek family. If you're new, man, welcome to the family. You know, you can just come on in and just pretend like you've been a part of this for a long time. We're only two years old, so we're in our, our terrific two phases. Um, but uh, come on in and join in. But I want to spend some time this morning talking about uh, the resurrection and, and centering on the reality of the resurrection and this idea that Jesus was all in. Uh, we look at the life of Jesus, and, and I'm sure some of us ha have heard many different things about Jesus, but when we look at his life, uh, you could say that he was all in. If you look at the chips that, that were dealt with in life that said in front of us, um, he took all of those and just slid them in and said, I, I, I'm all in. And in life, he was all in. And uh, I know people I, that really encourage me, not the people at work that you want to make fun of that are overzealous, you know, and you think they're all in, but they're goofy with it. Um, you know who I'm talking about. If you don't have someone like that at your office, um, do some self-evaluation because I'm, <laughs> I'm just teasing but, uh, but you know those people that are just, they're all in, they're like puppies, and they have no direction. They're just all over the page. Um, Jesus was focused. He was all in and focused, and his life was focused. And I love that, that he was born uh, with a purpose, just like we're all born with a purpose. Let me, let me help you with something. When you think about this, Jesus being all in in life, he is fully God, yet fully man. If you've got your Bible, go to John chapter 1. Um, and go to Mark chapter 12. We're going to hit both of those. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the ends of the rows for you that we can get in your hands. If you don't own a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. Um, we want that to be in your possession so that you have access to the Word of God. Last thing you want to do is take all my word for it, you know, because I'm a preacher. Um, that was supposed to be funny. Ooh, thank you. I was like stepping out there. You're leaving me hanging. But... Happy Easter, because just since it's Easter, I put it on the screen for you, because we've had 
We've, we've given away a lot of Bibles today. Um, we've had a lot of Bibles moving through the aisles, and so I decided let's put it on for Easter, for Easter, okay, for Easter. Don't get used to this. No, no, my friend. Um, if you're new to the creek, we believe in having our Bibles with us. Write in it, mark in it, highlight it. Write what God is doing in your life when you are dealing with that verse, and then come back to that. Uh, it's amazing to see how God is working in our life, so we have access to that. Uh, but John chapter 1 uh, really kind of starts to set up this idea that Jesus was all in in life. This is John's account of the gospel, and let me read it to you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men, the light that shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And then go down to verse 14, because John's going to really show us who this is. The Word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. To help you understand this, Jesus existed before he was born. Jesus existed in the very beginning. All things were created by him and for him. He stepped into nothing and created everything. And then he decided that he would become. Human, He would wrap himself in humanity. The word became flesh. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. There's a myth that Jesus was a man that somehow worked his way up to God status. And that, that would be a lie. Let me, I'm going to just help you with the truth. Jesus was fully God, fully man. I know in our society and, and even different uh, ideas of thinking, uh, we, we think we can become God-like or we can somehow fix ourselves to achieve God's status. And that, that just wouldn't be true. Jesus is a man that was born without sin. He was born of a virgin, which means he wasn't born through the same system we were. We were born into a sinful system, that, that you and I were born into a broken system. And Jesus was born perfect. And he, he, he was all in in life. Um, Jesus, yes, there was a time Jesus was the eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus in the golden fleece diaper, but he grew up. You know, he grew up. Luke 2.52, so that's kind of popcorn joke. I love that. Um, Luke 2.52 tells us that he grew in wisdom and favor and stature with God and man. So he was in this growth process. He was growing up. And, and the Bible doesn't tell us about his teenage years because I'm sure Mary, his mother, had some threats for him that probably shouldn't be in the Bible. If you've got a mom, teenage guy, men, we know our mama's made some threats. My mom could back it up too. She got it. Mm -mm. You don't mess with my, especially in church. Growing up in church, I knew the lines and I knew how to push them. And my mom knew how to enforce them. So did my dad. If my dad stepped in, I was in real trouble. But, but uh, yeah, I can get an amen from some of y'all who grew up in church. Mm-hmm. I think to the time I was in third grade, I didn't make it through a whole children's church. So I love my parents. They raised me in church, and I'm blessed for that. Uh, he was all in in life. And, and Jesus lived 33 years. He went into his public ministry. His, when we read the gospel accounts of his ministry, that's about a three-year ministry. And he was all in. He was focused on his mission. He lived every day with purpose. He lived every day with an intentional focus on the mission he was born into. It, because you see, here, here's what I love about Jesus. He's faced everything I faced. He made it through the teenage years unscathed. 
You know, he went, I'm sure he went through the acne phases. I'm sure he went through the temptations in, in junior high school, you know, however that looked like back then. Um, he went through everything that I faced. He was tempted. He was, he went under trial, but he was successful in it. I'll be honest with you. I get tempted, I get tried, and I fail. But here's what Scripture tells us. In Hebrews, it says, we don't have a great high priest that's gone before us and failed. He has gone before us and overcome it. What I love about Jesus is he doesn't just lead me into life and go, I think I know the way out. I think I know the way through this. He follow, I follow him, and he leads me with confidence that only God can have and says, I know the way to go all the way through this. And so when I face my struggles, when I face my trials, when I face my temptations, I know that Jesus has already cleared the way for me to go all the way through it. He doesn't just leave me halfway in and go, wait here, I'll be back for you. That's a horror movie thing, honestly. And when you watch that, you know they're going to die. <laughs> Wait here, I'll be back for you. You might as well roll the credits on that character right now. It ain't happening. Jesus was without sin, and he was perfect, and we celebrate him for that. Um, the power of God was at work in his life all through his life. Um, the same power at work when he spoke everything into existence is the same power that was at work when you read about the miracles. When you read about the miracles of Jesus, that there were dead people that he raised to life. There were people who were blind that he opened their eyes to be able to see. The deaf could hear. The mute could speak. The lame could walk. Jesus would heal people. He would go into towns and heal all of their sick. And, and the, there were miracles that followed Jesus. Let me clarify. The miracles followed Jesus. I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes I get caught in the cycle where I'm following the miracle and I miss out on Jesus. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I follow Jesus just because what I think or hope he can give me or do for me instead of who he is. The miracles follow the man. We don't follow the miracles. We follow the man, okay? And I, and I believe that same power is at work today. I mean, in, in, in these services, these Easter services, when we talk about the reality of Easter, what we have been praying for as a church is, is for people that are dead to come to life spiritually. There are people who are spiritually dead that that power can bring them to life. There are people living with so much bondage and chains on their life and brokenness in their life. And we have been praying that that same power that opened the eyes of the blind that we read about in the New Testament will work through whatever we're doing this weekend. And so people's chains are broken and they live free. And that's what Jesus being all in in life and that power at work in his life can do. I'll be honest with you. I've been in ministry 11 years. I have seen those that are dead come to life. Not physically, more importantly, spiritually. I've been in the hospital rooms where the doctors come in with tears in their eyes and they go, we can't explain what, what is going on. All we could, if you believe in miracles, this is a miracle. I've seen doctors get frustrated. And the thing I love about doctors is they don't like to, they don't like to not know. You know, when you have a loved one in the hospital and they're like, we're running these tests and we're trying to figure out what's going on, and I understand that's a stressful time. I understand the, the, the agony that, that is, you're going through, but here's what I love about doctors. They don't like that not knowing. But I've seen doctors, brilliant minds of medicine and science come in and go, I don't know. I don't know. I've seen marriages restored. The same power that was at work in Jesus' life. I've seen marriages healed. I've seen husbands come back and humble themselves to their wives. I've seen wives come back 
and humble themselves to their husbands. I've seen relationships with kids and parents restored. You name it. I have seen those miracles at work that I can say that is the power of God at work today, and it is still at work today. And in life, Jesus was all in. He lived with that power intentionally. In death, Jesus was all in. You see, when he created everything, when he stepped into nothing, when I say nothing, I mean nothing. When we close our eyes and say, think about nothing, we think of darkness. You know, it's absence of light. There's nothing. Jesus created nothing. Stepped out into nothing and created it all. But here's what's important for us to understand. When he stepped out, before he created everything, before he spoke any of this into existence, he knew what his purpose was. First Peter tells us that he was the lamb chosen before the foundation of the world. That God in his just nature says there can be no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. That's God's justice. God's mercy is that Jesus said, before we were even created, said, you know what, I'll take that. I know we're going to create this, this, this whole thing called humanity, and I know that it's going gonna, it's gonna to go this way, and you know what? I'll step in. I'll step in and be the payment. I'll provide a way that when, when humanity, when mankind is alienated from us, I will provide a way for reconciliation. And so in death, Jesus was completely and fully committed to the mission. And when you read in, in Luke chapter 22, when Jesus prayed, he's in the garden, he's agonizing, and he says, Father, if there's any other way, if this cup can pass from me, God, if there's a plan B, let's talk about that now. And what Jesus said, here sh- this shows his commitment, what he said, but not my will, but your will be done. He was fully committed to completing the will of God. Here's where I struggle with that sometimes. Um, I can create a great will for my life and invite God on board. And I'll even pray about the plans I want for my life. And then I'll say, okay, God, here's my plans. I need you on board to make this happen. It's kind of like I've built this engine. I've built this car for myself, and I need you to be the fuel so I can go where I want to go. And God's saying, that's not how it works you're going to be really frustrated because you're going to spend a lot of time sitting still or you're going to be exhausted because you're going to try to push this on your own. Where God calls me back to is I submit my will to His just as Jesus submitted His will to the Father. I submit my will to God and say, what do you want for my life? And I grew up in church, and here's the thing. I had friends who were like, I don't want to submit my life to Jesus because gonna, he's going to end up sending me as a missionary to Africa, and I'm going to be preaching to cannibals, and that's not what I want for my life. I'm going to be a baseball player. Um, let, let's just play the odds here. I don't know that the mission field in Africa to the cannibals is a really booming industry. More than likely, when you say, God, I'm all in and I'm submitting my will to yours, it might be that you'll end up in the same job you're in, but with a focus to be the best employee you can be. And maybe it's that you come home at the end of that work day, and if you're married, you hug your spouse and be the best husband or father or, or wife that you can be. 
and grab your kids and be the best father or mother that you can be and raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Maybe that's what it looks like. I'll be honest with you, 11 years ago, if you would have told me I was going to be a pastor, I, I would have bet against you. I'm just being honest. It's just us here, right? I would have bet against you. But when I got to that point when I said, okay, God, here it is, all in. I didn't get called to the interior of Africa or South America or New Zealand. I, God called me to Fort Worth, Texas. And I'll be honest with you, I can't imagine doing anything different. God's will for your life is better than anything you could ever imagine. I can't imagine not doing anything else. The joy and fulfillment I have of being involved in this journey and this mission with you as the creek, I can't imagine anything better. And I get excited because I, I know God is just going to continue to, to move this and, and allow us to, to love our community and make Jesus clear. And we're going to stay humble with that. But I can tell you that God's plan for your life is better than anything you can dream up. I'm living proof of that. And in death, he was all in and submitting his will. The resurrection made a way for us to be all in. L- let me help you in this this. I don't want to lose you when I say this, so really lock in. Understand me. Lock in on me on this. The resurrection made a way for us to be all in. And you need to understand something about Jesus. He's exclusive. Lock in on me. Don't, don't, I don't want to lose you here. This is important. Jesus is exclusive. He says, I don't want any other God before me. I don't want any other thing before me. You see, Jesus is hailed as the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. There is no other name above Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. He is supreme. He is the Alpha and the Omega. There is nothing above Him. And He's very exclusive in that. He is alone at the top. And here's what I love about Jesus, is He's all-inclusive. Now when He opens those nail-scarred hands, He says, come. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so Jesus is very inclusive. And he says, how I long to gather them all to myself like a mother hen does her chicks. And that's the inclusive nature of Christ. I don't know if, if I'm alone in this, but I get so weighed down. I get so burdened. I get so stressed out. I get so just, just beat down with life that I, I honestly get exhausted trying to carry this on my own. And I love that because of the cross of Christ and because of that sacrifice and because my Savior is alive, He is able to carry the burdens and carry the weight of my soul that I can say, I can't carry it anymore. I don't have the energy. I don't have the stamina. And he says, Matt, I can carry that for you. I'm big enough. And my problem is sometimes I'll go, God, I'll give you everything but this. I'll be honest with you. When we do that, we're saying, I don't think you're big enough to carry this. Whatever this is, you know what this is. It might be a hurt from a divorce. It might be a loss. It might be a financial stress. It might be a job situation. You know what it is. And you're saying, God, I don't think you're big enough to handle this. And what happens is it starts to weigh us down. And we are so burdened. 
and so weary and so exhausted from trying to live life, carrying it on our own and saying, God, I'll give you everything else, but I I can't give you this. And, And finally, we just get to that point of total surrender and we say, I can't do it anymore. And he says, I can carry that. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Give it to me. The the good news is we trade our burdens for his rest. We trade our sin for righteousness. And, And so Jesus is inviting us to be all in. He's inviting us to take all the chips that are our life and slide it in and say, I want you to be all in. Let's get practical for a minute. What does that look like? What, okay, what does it mean? Because I can't, there's not chips in front of me. How do, I, how do I do this? What does it look like? What are the steps involved? Because we're a process-oriented people. What is the process or what does this look like? Go to, go to Mark chapter 12. This is Jesus being asked the question of what's the greatest commandment? Mark 12, 30. Uh, let me set the scene for you. One of the teachers and religious leaders comes up and says, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? To boil this down, what this means is, is what is the one thing that we need to do to get there? What is the one thing we need to do get, to get eternal life or what we want out of God? How do we get God to play by our rules? Jesus isn't going to give you that information. If, if you think of it this way, how do we major on the major? What's the one thing? Forget the seven steps, 12 steps, 21 steps, three steps. What's the one thing, Jesus? Come on. And this had been a question that had been debated for centuries. And Jesus tells him in Mark 12, 30, he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Let me translate that. Love him with everything you got. Every fiber of your being every ounce of who you are, take all of that, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and say, God, it is yours. When you start to break that down on the heart level, it's, it's all your emotions. It's all your feelings. And, and, and I, I really believe that you're not emotionally connected to something unless you're financially connected to something. If you've got kids, you know what I'm talking about. I'm very emotionally connected to my kids because... They were expensive. And I, I'm, not, I'm not angling. Let me, let me say this. We are very emotionally connected to loving our community. And, and at the end of the service on your way out, you can give tithes and offerings. And what we decided and prayed about as a leadership of the church this weekend, every penny that comes in in our Easter services is going to the DFW tornado relief efforts because we're emotionally connected. Let me tell you how much I love the leadership of our church. Pulled them in and said, hey guys, I've been praying about this and and I'm going to confess, Heather's more spiritual than I am. And she said, I think we need to be praying about this. And so I started praying and I said, guys, I'm feeling like we need to give a, a large percentage of our weekend giving to the relief efforts. And And our elders said, if God's told us to give, there's nothing to pray about. And they go, what, what's, what, what percentage? And I said, 100. And they both, the leadership of our church, looked at me and said, all in. Let's do it. Because God's big enough. And I love that we have a church that's very generous. 
And so we don't ask you to give out of compulsion or manipulation. God's bigger than that. You know, here's what we do. We pray. Pray about what, God, what should I give? I'm not saying sign all your bank account over. But God, what should I give? And I believe he'll give you a clear answer. If you're married, you and your spouse pray together. God, what should we give? If you get two different numbers, go with a higher one. It's always a good, good thing. No, but you're, you're emotionally connected to God. I love our church for being emotionally connected to our community. The other thing, your heart, your soul. Your soul is your deepest level, your most intimate level of who you are. Uh, that's the intimacy level with God. That, that is the sacred space of our being. That is the eternal part of our being, and it's intimacy. I heard one scholar give me a definition of intimacy. He said, think of intimacy as this. Into me, you see. You are so close. You are living life so close that you can see into each other. When Scripture tells us that we're the apple of his eye, it means he is so close that he can see his reflection in his eyeball, in my eyeball. That's intimacy. I think intimacy is a result of consistency. And so we spend time with God. Our mind, that's our intellect. I'm tired of church being the place that when you get to the front door, you check your brain at the door. It it, it doesn't compute with me. God gave us an intellect. He gave us intelligence. He says, use them. Don't just walk into church and check your brain at the door and go, tell me what to do. Man, think it through. Process it. Use that intellect. Again, remember, think about it. God tells you what to give. You got to, you're going to process that through your intellect. You're going to be doing some math in your head. God tells you a number to give. You're going to go, okay. Uh. If you have no intellect, you're going to just blindly write a check or throw cash or whatever. I don't know. I don't know how it works. Use your mind. Uh, strength. I think this is an intentional love of Christ, an intentional affection for Christ. And when you think of strength, think of pushing forward. And I think this is making intentional steps forward. So what does the next step look like? When we love them with all of our strength, honestly, for some of you, it might be, you know what, I, I, I am spiritually dead, and, and I've never heard the gospel. I've never heard the good news. I've always heard an Americanized version or heard this version of what, what Easter was about. Easter is about this, that the God of the universe wrapped himself in humanity, walked the road to a cross, died for us, was resurrected on Easter Sunday so that we can have life, so that we can be made alive that we don't have to live as dead in our transgressions anymore and dead in our sin, but we have a way to be reconciled to our creator. That's the gospel. For some of you, the next step is, you know what? I need to be alive. For some of you, that next step is I'm alive barely, but I've got all this junk weighing my life down that I, I need some help. I, I, I got to break free of this. I don't know if you grew up in a religious system and, and you've been beat up by religion. I don't know what baggage is on your life. If it's emotional, relational, it, it, whatever hurt, whatever thing that is weighing you down, you might say, I'm on life support. I mean, God gave me life back years ago and I remember that, but I just feel like I'm barely breathing. So that next step is, God, how do I get back to health? Some of you, it's healthy and you need to look at what that next step is. And I can't tell you what it looks like in your own life. That's going to be a reflection question of you getting with God and saying, God, what does it look like in my life to be all in? What does it look like for me to push all the chips in? And we can't do that on our own. It's only through the cross of Christ that this is a reality. If you struggle with that, 
Let me be one of the first or probably 15th people to say this to you this morning. Welcome to the creek. Because all of us are working at this. All of us are trying to take that next step and to be all in with Jesus and, and, and live life with an intentional focus. One thing I love about our church is it's okay to not be okay. We don't have to come in here and put on a front. If you're struggling, this is a safe place to struggle. If you're wrestling with faith, this is a safe place to wrestle. If you think you're perfect, let me caution you. This might not be the church for you because you might mess us up even more because we're nowhere near perfect. And we don't, we don't need that kind of bar coming in. We need, we need Jesus. We need to focus on Jesus. He is perfection. And that's who we're following. And we're all welcome. And so uh, we're here because we love you. We're here because we love God. And he's called us here so that you can know that he loves you. And so I'm asking you what it looks like to be all in. What does that next step look like? Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning on Easter Sunday, and we don't come mourning, we come celebrating because Jesus is alive. Father, we, we know that, um, that you are the giver of life, that you are the sustainer of life, you're the provider of life, that nothing happens outside of you knowing it. And so we, we center ourselves this morning around your altar and the cross of Christ today, and we humble ourselves. And Father, this is just in that moment, we're going to get honest with you here. And, and some of us in this place, as we've spent time in your word, in, in your presence this morning, that we're, we're aware that we're not, li- we're not living. We may be physically alive, but we're not living. And so, Father, I ask that, that in, in the quietness of, of each person's space, that if that next step looks like life, I need to be made alive. I pray that you give my friends, the courage to say, Jesus, I need the resurrection in my life. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I need you to be the King of kings and Lord of lords in my life. And I'm putting myself all in with you. And I'm submitting myself to you, to your will. Father, there's some in this place that that maybe are alive but barely living. Father, I just pray that right now you, you lift that weight, even the things that we hold on to, that you lift that weight, that you break those chains off of our life, that, that we can leave this place this morning in freedom because it is for freedom that you set us free. You did not save us 
so that we can be slaves to sin, so that we can be slaves to anything, but to be your sons and daughters and to live righteous and holy, free lives. And I ask for your freedom in our life this morning, God. Get rid of all the junk that we carry, all of the pain that we hold on to. Father, That we ask that you heal our scars. You are the only one with the scars that have the ability to heal. We ask that through those scars, you heal ours. And so, Father, we submit ourselves to you this morning. And we center ourselves on the the communion table of Christ this morning. Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. And we thank you that our Savior is alive. That we don't have to look for Jesus among the dead. That he is risen. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.